Go on, what's your question? I was only going to ask you, because I rang your doorbell. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, did you look on your phone or who walks past your house at all hours of the night? No. Because I do. <laughs> I go, where, where are they going at two well, o'clock? The difference with ours is, ours only... Well, stops, doesn't it? Ours, only, ours is activated for the, for the just as they step in. Yeah, you've got the drive, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, we're so, right on the front, aren't we? So, any cars... But... I do like when I'm sat in work and someone comes with deliveries and, and they ring the doorbell. I don't answer, don't speak. I just like watching them. <laughs> like just sort of trying to make out where to put our Amazon stuff. <laughs> just like, I don't know why. There's someone that walks their dog every day at five o'clock past ours. That's a bit weird. That's... I just think that is so early. And obviously they must, they're walking the dog because they want them to go to work. But even like someone just walk along at 2am, like a Tuesday night, I'm like, Hey, yeah. I'm going to shout on the way. Where what, you going, mate? Yeah, hey. yeah, 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 what's going on? <laughs> Hello and welcome to Watch It If You Can. My name is Dave. My name is Liam. This podcast is all about box sets we've created of our favourite films and TV shows. Some you've seen, some you won't, and others you may never want to watch. However, we can say, if you never used to rush home to watch Neighbours, we can't be good friends. All we want to do is chat on about these films and TV shows that we love so dearly, and maybe, just maybe, you should watch it if you can. So I am in the host chair uh, this week. Liam is in the guest chair. Are you comfy? Very. You we seem to, to be. We seem to. I remember initially we would swap round, but we seem to have kept the. We've got our own seats yeah, now, haven't we? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're giving away the uh, the magic behind the. Uh, there's, there's no magic. <laughs> there used to be a there used to be a guest seat and a and a yeah a host seat, and now you've 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 ruined the illusion. Just That's got, just the same. I've seat. just got. A tatty old computer chair and a diamond room chair. <laughs> <laughs> you do sit on the left and I sit on the right. It's like an ant and deck thing, yeah. isn't it? I am a lefty, though, so... Well, so am I, so, though. yeah, of course, yeah. I forgot about that. Interesting facts for listening. <laughs> so, this week, Liam, drumroll, what is it? My choice this week is Coming to America. Excellent choice. Mm. So, coming to America, grossed worldwide $288 million back in the year it was released. I didn't write down what year it was released. I think it was 88 or 87. Great start. I'm <laughs> just there. <laughs> Should we edit um, it in? No. I'm sure it was 80, 87, 18... 1988. There we go. Um, so, grossed $288 million from a budget of $30 million. It was a hit. It was a big hit. Anything over 100 million in the 80s was yeah, considered big. like huge, wasn't it? So 200 is unbelievable, isn't it? And for a comedy as well. Yeah, yeah. So it stars Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, James L. Jones. And basic plot line before we get too much into Prince Akeem, heir of Zamunda, wants a wife, not an arranged marriage. So he heads off to Queens, USA, to find a wife. A queen? In Queens. Queen in Queens. So it's a, it's a great film. So I know why I would have put it on my list. Why have you put it on your list? I've got to be honest with you. It was really hard this week because I don't know why. I don't know why I like this film. Like, obviously <laughs> I do, and I'll break it down. But every week it hasn't been that hard to pick out favourite character, favourite scenes. This one had been totally different, and what it we've had this conversation before. I'm not a big rewatcher of films. This, outside of the Star Wars trilogy, is probably the film I've watched the most. Now, I had growing up, I taped this off BBC One, and I had a copy on VHS, and it was it was. Do you remember when BBC <laughs> used to overdub swear words? Yeah, yeah, if it was on before certain so, the, so the, I grew up on the version that had like 
stubbed swear words. And it was oh, like, I like it. So, okay. so I didn't it, even know this existed, to yes, be honest. So BBC used to do this when you put a film on. So, for example... No, I mean, this version of Coming to America with no swear words. Right. No well, so what, do you, what BBC used to do when you used to do, they, they avoided sort of the hard obscenities. I think they let a shit slide here, didn't it? <laughs> but the moment... It's a long choice to say. <laughs> the moment I'm thinking of in particular is yeah. when he steps out from the cab and the cab driver gets on goes, you dumb fuck! <laughs> on, on this one, it's simply, you dumb idiot! And it's completely stupid. So what about the scene when he's on the balcony and he says, like, hello, neighbours, and someone goes, fuck you, and he goes, yes, it's all yes fuck you. It's all overdub it with different... Oh, different, no. it, I almost want to see this version yeah. now. So I could... Obviously, as I've got older, Dizzy, but that was the version I grew up with. And like I said, it's a strange film. I always see it more as a sketch show in the movie. Part than of a romantic comedy, part yeah, sketch show. It, it, is, it is. In essence, it's a romantic comedy. It's a classic plot line. It's a fish out of water. Eddie Murphy, Prince Keen, comes over to America and it's how he reacts to being in Queens and everything else. So it is a fish in water. But the way the film's made, it's a series of sketches almost. And bear in mind, it was it was... Eddie Murphy, he'd done a few films at this point, but it was written by the two guys who wrote for him on Saturday Night Live. That's that's how oh, they all right. so, so it it sort of figures, and I think they they wrote the script in a matter of weeks because Paramount funded him. Like, yeah, go for it, and it was like, can you do the script in five weeks? And the two writers were like, yeah, we'll do so that. So, do, do you is it a film fitted around sketches or sketches put into a movie? I think it's a, it's a. It's sketches put into a basic premise of a movie. From yeah. what I can say, like Eddie Murphy, from all accounts, came up with the basic idea of doing it. Went to the went to the script writers. They did the script. John Landis came on board, the director, which we'll mention a little bit later. And then he sort of typical John Landis, if you know, he's quite a forceful personality. He was like, "This is a load of shit. We need to do something." <laughs> um, and then sort of, but they were they, they were like. There wasn't much of a script when right. it went into production. And did you read where Zamunda come from? Uh, yes. From Richard Pryor, wasn't it? Yes. Richard Pryor, actually. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't. The, the writers didn't use Zamunda. They said it's pronounced a different way. And it's John Landis who put the... Changed it slightly. Oh, right. Okay. Um, but uh, So, getting back to why I like it, it's really difficult to say. I shouldn't be... 12 white kids grown up in Old Swan, England. Why I like this film, I don't know why. It was definitely some sort of comfort film to me growing up. I remember watching it a lot. It, then as it got older, it became a bit of a Christmas film for me. It's something I'd always go back to around Christmas time. Because it is, it's, it, it, it's in winter as well, if you remember. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, so there's, there's, that, there's that feel. So yeah, so it's, it's a bit of a comfort film more than anything. And apart from that, it's a strange one, but... It's probably the most f- the film I've watched the most, apart from Star Wars trilogy. So obviously we know Eddie Murphy's the 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 main lead. Um, who would we know that's in it? What else have they been in? So with Eddie Murphy, he's an absolute worldwide superstar. Like he's he. Don't get me wrong, he's done a lot of he's done a lot of rubbish. Is he or was he? I still think he's he is to us. Yeah, but I think there's a generation that won't know won't know Eddie yeah. Murphy. Like especially Eddie Murphy was on Saturday Night Live when he was eighteen, nineteen, mm. and he was doing stand up, and he went straight into Forty Eight Hours as his first film when he was only like nineteen, twenty, and he was phenomenal. It's, it's live shows. I mean, it's like like Chris Rock sells out yeah. stadiums yeah. now, doesn't he? You know all the. All the kind of big, all the, all the big stand-up comedians you can think of now, Eddie Murphy was bigger than them. And I <laughs> would and, say, and like, the ones that we think are big now, yeah, compared to Eddie Murphy in the day. You go back to Eddie Murphy's stand-up, like Eddie Mur- when we were growing up, his stand-up show Raw was a big one. And mm. remember, every every kid in Liverpool had a copy. You knew the books, yeah, yeah. I mean, because yeah. like, he dressed VHS like Corbett. Michael Jackson with the red leather yeah. and stuff like that. So we. He he was a worldwide star, and like you said, he 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 imitated Richard Pryor a lot with his stand up, you know, obviously. Um, so anyway, you got Eddie Murphy, not Prince. He plays Prince Hakeem. He also it was the first film he did multiple characters. So Eddie Murphy also played Clarence the barber, Saul, 
the Jewish patron who sat in the in the barbers, and Randy Watson. So this is this where the sketch elements yeah, comes in, and it's cause... something Eddie Murphy don't goes back to a lot where he plays multiple characters. It was he was yeah. in an interview. I seen him. He was he was obsessed with Peter Sellers. Peter Sellers did this a lot when he was in the film. He played multiple characters. So that's um, the next big. Uh, we got Arsenio Hall, who plays is is Page Seven Semi. But again, Arsenio Hall plays multiple characters. He plays Morris, who's the other character in the Barbers. Um, he also plays one of the one of the girls who who they, who they meet in the discotheque in the club. He does, doesn't I mean, he? Yeah, it's an absolute yeah. great. Um, and he also plays Reverend Brown in the Black Awareness event. It's just a great scene. Yeah. yeah. Have you got any Eddie Murphy recommendations? Sorry, yeah, I missed that bit. Uh, obviously. Go back to Eddie Murphy, 48 Hours, Beverly Hills Cop, Trading Places. They're all of, he was literally, they were one after each other. And then this, they are some great films. They are, like, even today, they all stand up pretty well. Later on, um, a lot of people will know Eddie Murphy from Shrek, which is great, <laughs> great performance. So he's donkey and Shrek, isn't yeah. he? I, I've also picked, in here, um, the film Dream Girls around 2015. I don't know if you've seen that at all. Did he get Oscar nominated in the end? I can't remember. Don't know if he got an Oscar. I think he, he got a lot of he got a lot of for it because he plays basically a washed up singer star in that, and it's it's, it's really good. Mm. It's a really good performance. I put down as well when I was going through his uh, filmography before. He brought a film out just a year or so after that called Mr. Church. Passed me by. It looks absolutely fantastic. It's a completely straight role that he plays. I think I have seen it, but I don't really remember because I am I am a big Eddie Murphy fan, so I probably have I've seen most of his movies, even the awful ones like Pluto Nash and The Big Flops and uh, Vampire in Brooklyn. He has a I went to see Vampire in Brooklyn. He has probably in there. I definitely wasn't there when because I think it only made probably about fifteen pound. That was me. Um, Did you go twice? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I probably did. I loved them that much. Fourteen hours definitely for me, and then Beverly Hills Cop, but um, Bowfinger. From, yes, um, nineteen ninety nine with Steve Martin. Steve Martin. That was kind of a little bit game, of a comedy he plays, comeback. He plays the two roles as well in that, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah, and obviously Nutty Professor, he plays all the roles. There's, there's a generation I think that won't really know him, but will probably have seen maybe Nutty Professor yeah. and stuff like that. But and and it certainly forty eight hours. I think a lot of people won't have uh, that that aren't our age won't have even seen. No. I don't think. It pretty much created the buddy movie, the buddy cop movie. Mm. It, it, you know what I mean? It's, it's. We were just talking before without another without forty eight hours, another forty eight hours. Without we don't get Beverly Hills Cop. Without Beverly Hills Cop, we don't get Lethal Weapon. Yeah. You know, multiple of it. And and I know it's a different conversation, but we, do you know it was originally meant to be Beverly Hills Cop. No, Sylvester Stallone. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Could you just knowing you're there, these crazy potential casts, you Murphy just can't picture that now, can you? No, yeah. Eddie, Eddie Murphy, just amazing, isn't it? So it just as well we skipped the question because, like, for Arsenio Hall, I haven't really got much else I'd know him from. Really, if I'm no, I, I, to be honest, I had a little skim through IMDb and didn't really recognise. The too only much. thing I pulled out is he did a lot of the voices. On the animated Ghostbusters TV series, he did do that. Yes. He was, uh, yeah, he was he did a few. He, in and the real Ghostbusters. Yeah, um, he was Winston, wasn't he? Yes, and uh, something to watch for Arsenio Hall. I've got my list here. Um, he did a film called Black Dynamite around two thousand and fifteen. Again, that looks pretty good. It's a, it's a, it's about a, a black movie star or something like that. Like it Check look, that looks quite good. And next we've got Shari Headley who plays Lisa McDowell, um, the love interest. Again, not much. Didn't really get onto anything else in a bit of it. Although I do remember she was in one episode of House, which was one I loved House. Do you remember with? I never really watched it. That with uh, Hugh Laurie. Yeah, great. I literally hammered that during lockdown. House, I loved it. Um, then we've got <laughs> James L. Jones playing. King Jaffe Joffe. Pronunciations, I think that's right. What more can we say about James L. Jones? Oh, he I is the where, voice start, of you? Darth Vader. That's all you need to know. But apart from that, he's obviously the 
does the voice lend his voice to Lion King. He's been far back as Doctor Strangelove. Again, Peter Sellers, back in the 60s, he's in that. Field of Dreams, I forgot he was Field in... of Dreams, down. He's Terrence Mann in Field of Dreams. Yeah, he's a sneaker. He's in... He is, yeah. I don't... I don't... can't remember being a particularly big part, to be and honest. And then also... But... Uh, he then plays the same character in three reasonably big films in the 90s. He plays Admiral Greer in... Is this Patriot Games? Hunt for Red October, Patriot Games, and Clear and Present Danger. Yeah. He plays the same character. I was like, oh, that's like... That's boss. That's like... <laughs> that's meta. That is meta right there. You mentioned there. the Lion King. Yes, Lion King. Both. He'd, I think he... I was going to say who else is in the Lion King. The, I don't know. So the woman that plays the queen, yes, is is in the Lion King. That's yes. the same. It's the same king and queen again. Well, not only that, they work together on multiple. They work together. Have they? Yeah. James L. James. I don't know the name of it. I did research um, the other night. He was in a. He was in a, a an American TV series. I think it's about nineteen ninety one. He played. I don't know. A private detective, someone who'd come out of prison, but he's a he, he, the lawyer who got him out of prison, hired him as a private detective, and that's 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 the, the, yeah. that's the story. And they were together in that as well. Oh, right. so, so, again, so they have a lot of history. So, that is um, Madge Sinclair, Queen Elione. I aggravated <laughs> these pronunciations. <laughs> <laughs> so good. But yeah, like, and I've literally wrote it down. You have got to forgive us when you're listening, to be fair. And we're trying our best. It's not like we're not trying. I know, I know. <laughs> so. Who else have we got in here? We've got John Amos, who plays Cleo McDowell. A uh, couple of films you will know, Die Hard 2. I've got Die Hard 2. He's one of the bad guys in Die Hard 2. I knew you would have Die Hard 2. He also has a reoccurring character in West Wing, which is a big favourite of mine as well. And he's also he was also in My Name Is Earl, but I don't remember him, so I don't know if it was a big part. But you were a big fan of My Name. Yeah, and, I, and do you know what? I watched My Name Is Earl again recently. So he, um, and I don't it, no. Oh, I do remember him running. He's in it. I ca- yeah, I can't remember what Earl did to him, but he goes to it's one of them where in the episode Earl goes to apologise to him. I'm pretty sure he tries to shoot him. <laughs> 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 he's here. I love John he Amos. He's he's got such a distinctive face as well. Um, mm. Who else we've got in there? A couple of couple of because um, it really is. It was a it was a big it was quite a big cast as well. Eric Lassell, who played Daryl, the heir to Soul Glow. Um, <laughs> most viewers, most viewers, most listeners, well, listener will recognise him as he was one long-standing doctor in ER with Andy Edwards. He was and. and Clooney. Yes, so he was on. Um, and then we've got really a couple of really good. Um, oh no, Frankie Faison, I forget as well, who played the landlord who he rented the room off, was Commissioner Burrell in The Wire. He, he was, yeah, yeah, yeah. So all these things are coming out now. He was, he's great at it as and well. And then yeah. also, mm-hmm. two cracking cameos Samuel L. Jackson, again, yeah. who plays the, the robber. In, in McDowell's restaurant. Yeah. It was one of his first big movie um, appearances. And I remember seeing a documentary about it. The writer said he came in and he was just like, bloody hell, he's good. So, and you can see his presence. It was like only a small part, you know, but you can tell he was destined for greatness, Samuel L. Jackson. And also Cuba Gooding Jr. is, is in there. You will blink he? and you miss him. Yeah, he's just like he, a young kid, isn't he? Apparently he did, have, he did have a couple of lines, but they were all cut out. Oh, imagine <laughs> that. Imagine taking like your mum and dad to go see your first film. Yeah. Um, so they like, again, Samuel L. Jackson is popping up as the cameo king. Isn't everything we talk yeah, about at the minute? Pretty much, yeah. Um, and then we can't not talk about John Landis, the director, right? I'm just going to reel off some of his films in the same period. National Lampoon's Animal House, The Blues Brothers, An American Werewolf in London, Trading Places, Spies Like Us, Three Amigos. So to us, that's like royalty, isn't it? That's like pure like, gold, isn't it? On, that's like that's like literally. <laughs> the, the, the generally might be people sitting there going, I've not seen them. And now no, we've got to convince them that you've got to because that is some list, so isn't it, from the same John director. Landis was... Absolute go-to guy for comedies in the eighties, and right slap bang in the middle of all this, he 
they were doing a film, the, the Twilight Zone movie, and there was an accident on set. Um, and three people died. It was a helicopter accident in Vietnam, I believe. And two of them were, were youngsters because they were taking advantage of child labour laws. And him and the producer of Coming to were embroiled in a court case that went on for years and years and years. And this was pre-made um, Coming to America. Right. Um, so it had a real effect on his career as well. But like he said, if you see him, most of us, a lot, a few of them films were made after. So it was almost made out that he was a bit of a prior in Hollywood. But he still made some great films. And actually, had his, this was one of his biggest hits. And this was after all that. Um, and he went on to do Beverly Hills Cop 3. And during this, because obviously him and Eddie Murphy got on so well in, in trading places. But by the time it came to coming to America, Eddie Murphy was pretty much the main star. So the, the whole relationship clashed. clashed. It was a very awkward... It, it, it wasn't a great film from all accounts. And, and he didn't do a film again until... Beverly Hills Cop Three. And he they, hadn't they, they, I don't spoke, even think they spoke. Yeah, he hadn't spoken. And John Landis in an interview just said he just got a phone call one day, and the producer was like, "Do you want to do Beverly Hills Cop Three? And he was like, "With who? Eddie Murphy?" He was like, "Really?" He said, "Yeah, Eddie Murphy asked for you." So it was. They obviously both had a lot of respect for each other, and I think they both acknowledged that. Trading places and coming to America are two mm. of their best films they've both made. I always imagine as a director, and getting someone like. Doing a film because it's an Eddie Murphy to me. It's an Eddie Murphy film. It's a vehicle, isn't it? And yeah. I think you're coming in to kind of a director comes in to do their vision, and Eddie Murphy's probably got a completely yeah. different vision. And at the end of the day, though, usually in these cases, the star wins, don't they? Because oh. the studio's backing the star. And yeah. I think, you know, we don't know the ins and outs completely. I'm sure there's like loads of interviews, but I guarantee the studio would have been leaning on John Landis to say definitely. If, if Eddie wants it, you know, and Eddie's on the back of a couple of a hundred million definitely. blockbuster movies. With trading here. places were different because he'd only done another four, he'd, sorry, he'd only done forty-eight hours pretty much before this. So he was, he wasn't, yeah. he was, he was, he was a, it was a hit, but he wasn't a bankable. He, star. he was cast in the film rather than the film. Yes, whereas sort of, American you know, cast coming to America was basically a vehicle for it. And that's where it comes back to that sketch show element a little bit with bringing in his own writers and stuff like yeah. that. It was all mixed in. And I bet he had an entourage at the time. We Eddie did. Murphy. Apparently his entourage were uh, Paddy Eddie Murphy was very generous with giving them stuff. So apparently, you know the scene where they come and they get out the taxi and they've got all the Louis Vuitton cases yeah. and they go in, come back and the whole the street rub all their clothes. Then every consequent scene, you see they're all wearing African robes, yeah. like African <laughs> and jewelry. It was all real Louis Vuitton cases, and apparently Eddie Murphy gave them all to his entourage. Which yeah, yeah. you can imagine so as well. It, so is it that what what we didn't touch upon before when you talk about Eddie Murphy's list is that he had like that gap of sort of he's had he's got ten kids now, hasn't he? Yes, one with um, Mel C. Yeah, is it Mel C or Mel B? I was getting mixed up. Mel B, isn't it? Like, come on, yeah, mate. It's Mel B. At least he's we got... pronounced it right, Mel B, Mel C. <laughs> but he's, had, he's got 10 kids yeah. now and he took a big time off because I think Eddie Murphy would have all sorts of awards, wouldn't he? If he'd done a few more kind of serious films. I don't know he's back doing yeah. movies and stuff, but um, he's... that's why I think there's a generation of people that might not yeah. really know him as well. And I've seen the episode... Um... Jerry Seinfeld, the, the stars and cars with coffee and cars. And comedians and cars. Comedians and cars. Comedians and cars. I've seen Eddie Murphy one. He's a very hands on dad, Eddie Murphy. He, mm. Although all his children, like he's got a lot of children, he, he, he says they are, it's an open house. So they are, or he's involved in all the kids. He's, I think he's he's a big family man. I think he's come from a. a he's, he's a brilliant storyteller. Yes. If you watch him in interviews talking about like meeting Prince and Michael yeah. Jackson and all the all the, all them stories from like you know the the eighties when he sort of came through, um, you can listen to him for hours. I think he was meant to do stand up, wasn't he? But then COVID struck and they all got cancelled and he hasn't come back. But just he, he's he's unbelievable. Yeah, he it's great. Just you mentioned Michael Jackson and just one of them little things just to sort of. Add in the um, Paula Abdul choreographed, you know, the really good scene in the beginning of Coming to America where they do all the African dancers do that dance to introduce yeah. the queen. 
And I love the story because Joan Landis also did the thriller video. So that's where the connection with Paul Abdul is. So basically, they didn't have the song at the time. <laughs> so they basically just had a speeded up version of Thriller. And it, it, they said it's pretty much the same choreography, <laughs> choreography as well. Like, so just so like, when you watch it now, you know they're actually dancing to a speeded up version yeah. of Thriller, not not the song that's played yeah. over. So of all the, the characters in the movie, we just went through a whole list of uh, actors and actresses that are in this. Who's your favourite character and why have you picked them? Okay, bit of a different one this week. I'm not going for the character per se. I'm going for Eddie Murphy's performance in the film. And that, the multiple characters. Yes, I just think it's it's you know we don't very rarely we very rarely pick the main actors when we do favorite characters and stuff, but I just think the performances of all of them they're all so different. You got Prince Akeem. Very understated for an Eddie Murphy role. If you actually go back and watch it, he's he's quite quite. He's ma- the straight man in there. Yeah, in the film, yeah. It's he? a romantic lead, and he does it really well. And like I said, to go back, it's a fish out of water story, so it's quite funny. He's quite charming. He's quite naive, but he's quite intelligent. He's just really likable, and you can see why it worked as a romantic comedy. So it was really. But then you've got Clarence the Barber now in Black Community. The barber from for for the male community is a, is such a vocal focal point in in a black community. So Eddie Murphy is just like he plays. Um, there's a few of them. He plays Clarence. Um, where's one? Clarence the barber, and he's absolutely fantastic. He's just a really good. He he really sees and understands these are characters from his childhood. You can tell this is people he knows. He's grew up with. And then he also plays Saul, who's the <laughs> the white Jewish old man who's always in the barbershop, which is such good makeup. You, oh, it's unbelievable, it's, yeah. It, you know, it's absolutely fantastic. And the same guy who did the makeup, Eddie Murphy's worked with him for years afterwards as well. did all the Nutty Professor and all did, that. Did I read that he went out onto like the streets yeah. and stuff dressed as him? Literally, just to, just yeah. to see if it's, he could pull it off, basically. And all everyone who, if you see any interviews, when he was Saul, he completely became Saul he was just so funny <laughs> and the writer one of the writers because he was writing who was Jewish had to go to his up to his dad and get the, the, the what things he would say and he said Eddie Murphy just absolutely nailed it and when he was in character he was fantastic and then also to, to top it all off he also plays Randy Watson <laughs> lead singer of <laughs> Sexual Chocolate need I say more so Eddie Murphy yeah, I, it's a that, performance. If you had to pick one of those characters, though, is it so? I think it's Randy Watson. <laughs> it's such a small part, so but it it is it's 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 fantastic. It's memorable. You remember that that blue tuxedo is my one image when I think. <laughs> Do you want me to tell you I picked it? I'll tell you why. Go on. I've picked Cleo. Yeah. So this is the this is this is the dad um, who owns McDonald's, isn't it? McDonald's, isn't it? Which yeah. is clearly a rip off of McDonald's, isn't don't it? it? Don't know, don't it's not. <laughs> <laughs> and they do reference it in the it film, is, yeah. to be fair. But you know why I like him now, and I think it's because we're watching it again now. I think when I would have watched this, you know, 20, 30 years ago, um, I would probably thought the dad was a bit of a div. And the way he was like treating his daughters and trying to set them up and all that. Now I'm a dad with a daughter. <laughs> I watch this and think, yeah, he's only trying to do what's right for the daughter. Because if a prince comes along and is after your daughter, he's got his own money. He's, he's got his own got money. His own money. He's literally got his own money. Um, he, 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 he's obviously going to pair them up. And I think it was more funny watching it thinking. I bet when I watched this at the time, yeah, you did. I was like, "Why is he doing that?" Never at all. It's funny how you you forget like characters of films as your life changes. It's it's true. I I I definitely view him in a different way. But there is also the bit as well. I mean, joking aside about him trying to pair up with like both his daughters and he's trying to pair them up with like rich people. There is the scene where 
uh, the king upsets her, doesn't yes. he? Both. And he starts writing them check for a million. Yeah. And he goes, what do you want, two million? And that's what he says, you yeah. can't buy me daughter. And you're like... I'll, I'll kick you right up the royal yeah. arts or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Said, and he, and so when it actually come to it, he would pull his daughter's Yeah, first. it's, it's yeah. a nice scene. And I love that the whole ending, the whole where he's, he's going backwards and forwards to the door, Daryl turns up, he slams the door, where he actually falls yeah. over running up the steps. He sets the dog on to him and everything, yeah. doesn't he? That was he, that was an accident. Oh, was he it? kept it in. Because right. he, he runs, skips, and gets his band locked back up, and then runs back to the door. It's, a, it's really well done. Cause you, and the intercut it all with just the dog sat on the chair going... Looking around, looking around. Yeah, the, the, the Eddie Murphy does it, doesn't he? He sort of breaks the fourth wall. Yeah. And then the dog does it. Yes. It's <laughs> well in that scene. So, yeah, it's Cleo for me, like 20, 30 years later. That's great. That's great, Charles. Um, have you got a favourite scene? Uh, yes, I have. It's, a, it's quite a big scene, but I've got a couple of honourable mentions. We love an honourable mention. Um, I love... The Mortimer and Randolph Duke scene. Interesting. <laughs> I because it's pure meta, and you know, you know, I love a meta, and you love them. And um, in fact, both these two honorable mentions are both meta because the other one is the scene where Cleo rings King Jaffy Jaffa up, and he says, "The the kids are here now," and James L. Jones utters the words. Don't alert them of my presence. I shall deal with them myself. That's right. <laughs> and it's a com- obviously it's a complete reference to Sal. I love them two moments in it because it is meta. Yeah. And have you, so we got a favourite scene though. My favourite scene is, and like I said before, it's what I think about when I think of coming to America and it's the whole black awareness event that they go to so because if, if, if you remember it at the, at the point of the film Eddie Murphy wasn't having any luck meeting a girl and he, go, he speaks to Clarence who, who runs the bar he says where, where do we go meet a nice girl he says you've got to go to church got to go to church if, come the church do an event yeah. so they're holding the block, black awareness um, sort of event and there's a lot going on in this. It's quite a it's quite a big scene. There's a lot going on. It's for a start. It's the first time Akeem meets Lisa and the McDowells. So she doesn't get introduced into it till quite not late on, but quite mid movie. Yeah, almost. yeah. So it's quite strange for a romantic comedy. You've also got Randy Watson performance of greatest <laughs> love of all. This is all after the beauty contest at the start, as <sighs> and well, of isn't course. It? And you've got him mixed up with Clarence Morrison's sweets, the barbers in the audience. And he's like, I like it. He's good. He's good. And it's just, it's but you're right. It opens up with Reverend Brown doing a girl pageant. And it's the most... It's awkward, isn't it? It's really... More so now. But I think he, that idea of a Reverend Brown, because he's like, the Lord is good. He works in mysterious ways. And he only learns can make beautiful women. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, it's just... And but it's, I think it's meant, you're meant to cringe. That's yeah, the whole it's, point it's, of the scene, isn't it? It's not it, like... And like it's said, not that, trying to be And it's serious, Arsenio Hall plays it. He absolutely nails it. And it yeah, is, it's, it's done for that reason. It is meant to be awkward. And everyone just sort of lets it pass because it's the reverence. Because, like you said, in, in, in communities, it was obviously... Not like I had a free pass, but... It was... They were over the top, weren't yeah, they? And was, preachy and everything, weren't they? And then we've got... The, there's a couple of little really funny moments where it, everything's in the audience all amongst the scene. Mm. Uh, where Clarence Morris um, sweets... Uh, the, the, he puts the chicken bones in the donation tray when it comes around. Yeah, because he, yeah. he thinks it's the litter, doesn't he? And then you've got the really good moment, which is quite telling, where Daryl passes over the donation Try without yeah, money in it, yeah. so you you know straight away you knew at that point it was never going to last. You knew it, so it was, it's at that to me it's quite a big scene. It's very well made because there's a lot going on. Oh, you can't imagine how they filmed it because yeah. you, you have had to film all those parts and on different all, days. Yeah, it must have took so long, wasn't it? And it's seamless and it, it flows really mm. well. And um, so that that's that's my favorite scene. Yeah, that I I, I would go with that. It's a great scene. Um, for for me though. I like um, when the king turns up first at the apartment and they've, they've swapped the apartments with the, the landlord, haven't they? So he, he walks in and the landlord's in the bath. But then he sees the, the picture on the wall 
and it's it's him in the McDowell's outfit and he goes, my son works. And he like, storms downstairs because he's told him he's in the other one. But when Sammy comes out <laughs> and he just opens the door and he just screams. <laughs> he screams. And then shuts the door. And just slams <laughs> the door. Yeah, yeah. But then that always makes me laugh, just the, just his reaction. He's got really good facial comedy. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, um, well, coming back to that, it's, it's when as well. So he, he screamed, he slammed the door. And then he says to him as punishment, he's like, go to our suite in the hotel. And he says to the two women, make sure he's bathed. And he just and he goes, thank you, like that. And then he realises he can't say thank you. And it's his, again, it's his facial expressions of like, he wants to be all happy, but he, he's, it's a punishment. So he's like, <laughs> so I, I just, Arsenio Hall in that that scene is just so funny. Um, what about the, the soundtrack? Is there anything on the oh yeah that we're listening to? Definitely. Um, when I was watching again the other day, I always forget. I love the opening scene because you've got the, the the Paramount yeah logo that. comes up and it match fades to the actual mountain in the back of the opening scene. Mm. I love that. I'm sure Spielberg did it with the opening. One of the, the Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we've got the Lady Smith Black Mambosa song, Mamumaway, Mabube. I am. I'm, re- I'm really, do you know what I mean? I was <laughs> you've, you've got to start spelling these out phonetically. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure. Wimaway, Mabube. I think I think that's not a bad one, actually, for pronunciation. Close I mean. enough for but me. anyway, Lady Smith Black Mambosa, and it's that opening sequence of the film where the camera comes across the jungle and, and the, yeah. it's oh, a lovely opening scene. Um, also, what more do we want? We've already mentioned it. Randy Watson and sexual chocolate singing Graceful Walton. <laughs> like, I'm coming back to that because it's 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 cinematic history. It's absolutely fantastic. And also, Nile Rodgers did the original soundtrack. So there'll be little bits of music in between Nile Rodgers. So it's, it's quite a musical film. So the the question that we ask every week, and it's always the hardest one because we're talking about our favourite films. And if you're talking about a film that you probably rewatch more than Star Wars. Yeah. How would you answer this then? What, if anything, would you have done to make it better? Okay, I'm going to just go a bit rogue with you on this week, Dave. I'm going to go rogue. I'm going to flip this question and the next question and it will sort of make sense why. So I'm going to answer... You want the, the next question? Yes. So the next question naturally in the show is what impression, if any, did it make? Okay, so impression is, I think it was... a absolute mammoth hit worldwide okay it absolutely made eddie murphy possibly at the time one of the biggest stars in the world but where it's so important culturally it was a massive step because it was a film with a black cast made for a black audience and it was like a, a, a hollywood studio that did this backing it with all the money yeah but this was very unheard of like for a lot of black people growing up in America and, and, and across the world this was a big moment because it was the first time they saw people that they they identified with and it wasn't just a star we had black people famous black actors who did roles but this was this was a film of virtually all black casters only the the one a comedian who plays who, one of the guys. To be fair, the studio put in as well, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I always remember the interview with John Landis. He said it was an opportunity for him to sneak in a black film under the guise of a, of a, of a rom-com. That's how he basically got it through the studio. Basically, he was said, we're making a rom-com, rather, and so on. And before then, the... The studios where you you'll never make money on a film with a black cast. Well, it was one of the biggest hits of the year. You'll never make money worldwide with black cast. It went on to be gross more money overseas than it did in America. So it was a massive moment, you know what I mean? So therefore, culturally it's important. So we think that's impact. So it's a good question. Now, my next question is, what would I do differently if I mm. could is, why didn't he get a black director? I would have, do you know what I mean? I just think, even, and this annoys me, even when you can't mention, we did come to America too. that's not even a black that black director. And it, but it is that because of, 
what we were saying before, you've got that list of John Landis, who's who's a guaranteed oh. hit maker. And I know where you're coming from in terms of maybe that's what they should have done. But I think if you want to pull audiences in with an all-black cast, you've got Eddie Murphy, so you've, you've, got, yeah, you've it, got a core group of people already. Oh, oh we're all And down. then you go, and it's directed by John Landis. Suddenly, a lot of other people's heads suddenly turn and, and as well. And without doubt, you know what I mean? This is why I would make it better. But I've always been one for appreciation appreciating as we've grew up as you might know Steve as, as white men <laughs> so we've never had that lived experience as females so we can't really comment on what is sexist and what's not sexist we are white in a white society so we, we can't ever say that's racist that's not racist it's not our place to say and I just think you can't get away from that lived experience of of what a black director could have brought to this project. I'm, 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 I'm... I suppose the other question, though, to that is how many other black directors were making comedies like that at that time? That's the... Well, no, what I'm trying to get at is, I see your point, but also who who, who was out there at the time? Okay, I, I understand, that, I understand that why. That says more, doesn't it? Do with, oh, yeah. You could possibly say... Spike Jones, no, not Spike Lee. Sorry, Spike Lee. He did do the right thing around the same time. He's probably still there's not even you know it's better now, but it's still not. It's not Hollywood is not as diverse as the the maker. No, you only have to watch like the Golden Globes recently and you know recent Oscars to see that. But I I'll defend it in terms of that. John Landis is on the back of those films, so Absolutely. it makes from a from a business perspective it made sense. Oh, but, but and that's what the studios are there for. But but it's a good but it's a good conversation to have, isn't it? You know me; I'm very idealistic. I would have just loved to have known what that perspective... could have done it himself. Yes, well, I think for Eddie Murphy was he originally was planned on doing, but once he started to take on the multiple roles as well, it would have been a lot for him yeah, to do. Definitely. So he did sort of back on it. Hence why he goes to John Landis. That just goes to guys. He did trade mm. places with me, trusted them, and also you know the United right, Studio decision. They've got to make money. It's just it always strikes me that you know it's that I really keep going on about this, but that lived experience. We, you know, like I said, John to John Landis, it was a challenge to me. A black film, do you know what I mean? Which, as for at the time, a black director, it would have been absolutely momentous moment for him to to direct a Hollywood film. So again, with that cast and that money yeah, and that yeah, exposure, so it, I mean, that just different perspective. It's just mm. th- that's just the way I look at it. So, I'll quickly tell you what I would have done to make it better. Ooh. I wouldn't have had the Mortimer and uh, Randolph scene. See, this is interesting. I don't, I'm, I'm... It, I don't know. I just uh, I know you like the meta stuff and the the references, and obviously the the James L. Jones one is quite funny. I just think sometimes it's forced, and I think it, it comes back probably to what you were saying. It, it is, it very much feels like a sketch film. Yeah, and that does feel like a sketch yeah. just thrown in. And so, I mean, if you you know, for the listener, if you haven't seen it, Trading Places, then. Eddie Murphy is in Trading Places. Yeah. Those two brothers go broke at the end. And then we see those two characters in this. And obviously Eddie Murphy gives them money, but a completely different character. And I don't know, sometimes it, it, it feels forced. It's like um, in the original Superman script, there was meant to be a scene where Superman's flying around trying to find Lex Luthor. Sees a ball guy, flies in, and it's Kojak. And Kojak turns around and gives him a lollipop and says, who loves your baby? I didn't know. That was in the original. And Richard Donner obviously read that and went, well, that's stupid. And it reminds me of that. It reminds me of just having a scene where you went, wouldn't it be quite funny to just put these two in? For me, no. (laughs) If it went somewhere and maybe that was setting up Another trading places. Then there's a, there's a, there's a, there is a point to it. There's his, a point to it, but... See, it's quite interesting because... It's me it, being a grumpy old man, I think. Oh, <laughs> we can't agree on everything, Dave. I, I, I always get a giggle out of it. I, it's one of the moments I wait for when I watch it. I know it's coming. It always makes me smile. 
I like the the, the reference to train places, but it's quite funny you should say this because it, it's exactly as you described it. Um, the producer, it was his idea, and he went on about it, went on about it, because, and John Lance like, no, it's absolute rubbish idea, never, and he, it was almost right at the end of the film, and he still hadn't done this bit. And then in the end, the producer brought it back up again. And John Landon's like, well, you just shut up with this idea. <laughs> and it wasn't until the producer went, I went to Eddie Murphy and said, I've got a boss idea. And Eddie Murphy was like, yes, I love it. <laughs> Put it in. And I said, John, John Landis, he was like, he hated it. He hated, the, he hated the referential aspect to it. He said he didn't make it as well. Yeah, I'm with John on this. I'm with Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> so if you haven't seen it, how can you watch it? It's on Prime. Yay! So I it, for it, free. Yes, it's on free. I remember looking for this a couple of weeks ago, and it wasn't. And I went back on the other week, day, and it was available on Prime, along with Coming to America Two as well, which is which I think Amazon made. Didn't yes, they yeah. they funded it. Which I remember watching it because it only came out last year. It's not a bad film. Just can't remember a single moment from it, and that sounds terrible. But it's it's one you you watch it and it's not terrible. It's just completely yeah. Wrong. I totally agree with that. I, I remember wrong. watching it at the time, thinking I really enjoyed that, but then thinking, will I ever watch that again? But compared I, to the first one, no. I was really struggling to even think of a moment in it. I can't actually. No, it wasn't. It's it's not. It's but not I the don't best. remember watching it. Going, this is rubbish. It's a you know what I mean. Yeah, and, the, and there's like films like that, isn't it, that are enjoyable as a one-off. But yeah, yeah. But, but but that's about it. So if you like coming to America, what else are you gonna like? Well, the obvious three as the the Eddie Murphy link is I'm gonna go for Forty Eight Hours, Trading Places, Beverly Hills Cop, and then Coming to America. Those four films. You couldn't really separate, if I'm honest. You could, we could do a box set on just yeah, they're just classics. They aren't are, they? it's you know, they're of the time. They're absolutely rock solid. That Eddie Murphy plays Eddie Murphy in all of them, except Trading Places, um, except Coming to America. Sorry, where he, he he's not the loudmouth cocky. Yeah, that and that's why I'm saying that's why I do like his performance in Coming to America. But all the others, he, he's classic Eddie Murphy, as a similar fish out of water plot. I've got Crocodile Dundee, very similar film. If you actually go back and think about yeah, it, yeah, the, the plot points, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, and they both have a sort of climax in the New the, York the subway as well, which which I find quite funny. But Virtue made at the same time as I think that was around the same time. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, I've also got as as an example of a sketch film. I don't know about the genre, but if it isn't, I'm taking it. Um. Sketch film. Oh, I can't remember. I've got Wayne's World. Yeah, because Wayne's World is a series. I mean, obviously, it started Saturday Night Live, didn't yeah. it? And then it, it is a series of sketches, like the car scene and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's a sketch film. So I think it's, and then a, a couple I've got here is obviously I mentioned about the culture important because it's a really important film to, 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 to black people all across the world, not just America. I thought if you. If you if you're interested in that aspect, there's a couple of films I've picked out is um, do the right thing, is Spike Lee film which I mentioned before. He's possibly the only black director at the time doing films. He he would probably certainly been, the most famous. Yeah, so do the right thing is a very based in a in a I think it's based in a Brooklyn neighborhood. No, really good film. I'd also tell you to go and watch Boys in the Hood. I haven't seen that for years. It's a yeah. really, really powerful film. And to give it a bit of modern day context, I'd go I'd say go and watch the the original Black Panther film. I, I think it's with Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think Ryan Coogler, is it the director? Ryan Coogler, yeah, he did like I, Fruitville Station and Creed yeah, the, the I, first Creed, didn't he? I, did a sequel as well, I think. I don't know. I think he did Creed one and I two. guarantee you'd ask them Coming to America would be one of the films that he well, you just know because it's it, you know it's an important yeah. film to in in American history. I've I've picked a couple out, um, one one I haven't seen for years. King Ralph, with John Goodman, where he finds out he's uh, royalty. So it's a fish again, fish yeah. out of water story. Is I've gone down that angle, fish out of water story. What's the Richard Pryor one where he gets all the money? Uh, Brewster's Millions. Brewster's Millions. That's a bit of a fish out of water ish as yeah. well, isn't it? Um. King Ralph, um, 
I'm trying to think of who else was in it now. I, I know. I'm, I'm I, trying to think it was the butlers, but I'm, I'm going to feel really silly because it's like he's really, really... Is it like Sir <laughs> John Gielgud? Some, it's it's some... along them lines, yeah. Um, another one, Fish Out of Water, uh, Overboard, with Goldie Hawn, Goldie Hawn and Kay yes, Russell, yeah, yes. where she's kind of the rich and famous kind of socialite and then, you know, overboard, goes overboard as the title, um, loses a memory and Kate Russell kind of pretends she's his wife and... She ends up like raising his kids and stuff. That's a, like a good fish out of water story. And again, eighties comedy. Been a isn't while it? since I've seen um, that. Definitely an eighties comedy. Another fish out of water film. Uh, big. Yes. I think I'll go big with Tom Hanks. Um, I think everyone's probably seen that by now. But if you haven't, I think that's certainly one that's like uh, in the. Um, come back to King Ralph. Peter O'Toole. It was Peter O'Toole. Peter O'Toole. John Hurt's in it as well. Um, there's loads in it, but that's a. Uh, if you're talking about royalty and yeah, you know that that, that similar sort of story, you know, in um, romantic comedy as well. So that was uh, coming to America. Then this week's choice, and we hope that you can watch it if you can. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can I have an Eddie <laughs> if you're laughing there? I'm sorry, Go on then, do it. <laughs> <laughs>